Well, I'm so excited to share the word with you today. It's 11.45, and I'm preaching fast. I usually do. Although the last couple of weeks, man, those revel- the churches in Revelation have messed me up. Um, I've been studying, for those of you that are here on um, Resurrection Sunday, we've been studying the book of Revelation, and I've just gotten into the churches, and it's hard to move past just one church. I can't do more than one church in one service because I'm learning so much as I dive into the culture. You know, once you understand the culture of what was happening there, you can understand now what what John is writing about in Revelation and how it meant something to them hearing that, you know? And it's really, really interesting. So I'll invite you to come back because um, today we're going to talk about the resurrection. But I won't, I won't stop teaching on the churches here. So the power of the resurrection. This is Resurrection Sunday. A lot of you say Happy Easter. I usually say Happy Resurrection Sunday. I try to say Happy Easter because there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we could have a debate and we're not going to debate today. It's the day Jesus was risen, right? And I say Resurrection Sunday because this, this name of the holiday really brings honor to the effectiveness and the significance of the day. And so that's why I, I, it kind of slips out of my mouth. Um, and Friday, just a couple days ago, we celebrated Good Friday, right? Were you able to go to Lorraine? I was in Cleveland with my kids and my grandkids, but we have, usually have communion on Good Friday to celebrate the day that he gave up his life. He willingly went to the cross for us. You know, the, the goodness in that day is not in the natural sense. The goodness is in the spiritual realm, right? What, what happened there, but the pain he endured, the stripes on his back, right? The thorns on his head. Those little kids were hilarious. (laughs) The thorns on his head. The nails in his hands. Could you imagine? The shame of being killed as a criminal. I thought about that this past week. That was a big deal. You know, here he is, the savior of the world, and he was put in in between two criminals and then ministered to them and then loved them. The weight of our sin. I've heard theologians say that it possibly could have been the weight, actually, that killed him. The weight of that sin. Everything I've ever done, everything you've ever done, and then times that by history and every person on the, on the planet, right? That weight was on him in that moment. Yet he endured that day. That's why we're here today. He endured that day because he knew Sunday was coming. He knew Sunday was coming. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, He endured the cross and ignored the shame of that death because he focused on the joy that was set before him. And now he is seated beside God on the throne, a place of honor. And that's what I want to talk about today, that joy set before him. Because we've arrived We're here, right? We're in that joy right now, today, Resurrection Sunday. And this is the power of the resurrection, that that joy came to be. So what does this mean for Jesus, for you and the world? So we're going to go back to the word of God and really quickly, we're going to discover, and I'm just going to declare this over you today, because this is your joy too. 
right? This is the power of the resurrection in your life. But Jesus made certain statements in the word that we can find his joy. And on the cross, when he was there, he had this on his mind. He had these things on his mind when he was able to take all of that pain and that grief and that, that hurt and that sin. So the first thing is that he declared in John 10, 18, he said, no one has taken it away from me. I lay my life down. He said, I have the authority to lay my life down and I have the authority to take it up again. So he was able to endure the pain of the cross because he willingly did it. And it was by his choice that he went to the cross. The second thing is he declared in John 2, 19, he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And even his own disciples looked at him and he's, they said, you can't do that. They're looking at this building, right? This glorious temple that was built by Solomon. And they said, you can't do that. You can't tear down that. Well, it, wasn't, it was the second temple, sorry. He, you can't do that. You can't tear this temple down and then rebuild it. And Jesus is thinking in his mind, I'm not talking about the earthly temple. Right? I'm talking about this temple. I have the authority in a world bigger than what you can see, touch, taste, and hear. You can destroy the natural temple, actual or his body, but I will rebuild it and be resurrected. He's showing us that we can see another kingdom, right? We can see another kingdom. We may see stuff out here that we don't like, but we can see another kingdom where he has all authority. The third thing, the son of man must suffer many things. And this is in Mark 8, 31. He said, I have to suffer. I have to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, the very religious people, right? And be killed and after three days rise from the dead. But here's the thing. He would defeat death. And so that was the joy that was on his heart and on his mind when he was on the cross. The fourth thing, I will never die again. And in Acts 13, 34, Jesus' body would never decay. Think about that. He died, but his body did not see decay. And because of this, he said and he declared, I will be an eternal high priest by the power of an indestructible life. Now, this is very significant in Hebrews 7, 16. It's because priests were chosen by family. You were born into the priesthood. If you were a Levite, you could be a priest. But Jesus changed all that. He changed it. And because he had the power of an indestructible life, he's able to be our high priest forever. Because earthly priests were never good enough. Levite or not, they were not good enough. Their sacrifices that they offered at the temple, they weren't good enough. Just like us, we can try our best, right? To be good and to do things for Jesus. Guess what? It's not ever going to be good enough. It's all about what he did on the cross. And now, after he declares it is finished, he rose again and he is in heaven 
right? Interceding for us as our high priest forever. This was his joy. This was his joy. The fifth thing is all authority in heaven and earth will be mine in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus took all authority, both in heaven and on earth, by his death and resurrection. And this is very significant because what else does the word say? It says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That means his authority is our authority. That's huge, guys, right? We are able to take authority over the powers and the princes of darkness in this earth because he's, he destroyed it all. So we can sit there right next to him and take authority over the works of the enemy in your life. That's why we celebrate today. This was his joy set before him. He also said in Revelation 17, 14, he said, I will be the king over all kings, and I will be the Lord over all lords. We may see power players, right, in China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, America, but there is a king of kings and a lord of lords over all of their edicts, over all of their proclamations, over all of their treaties and their plans, he is the one that rules the kings of the earth. They may think they're calling the shots, but guess what? They're all actors, right? They're all players in God's drama on earth. And what is that drama? It's a redemption story. He's redeeming us. He's redeeming his creation to be with him. In Revelation 1.18, it says, I will be alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death in Hades. Again, we heard that Jesus will never die, and even though we may die on this earth, right? He has the keys of death, and because of that, we will have new life after death. He defeated death, so we will have new life after death. This was his joy set before him. He declared, I will sit with my father on his throne in Revelation 3.21. And this is the last overcomer statement with the churches, right? So listen to this overcomer statement because that's who you are. It says, the one who overcomes... I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. That's huge. We can overcome anything in this lifetime, anything in this world, because he sits on a throne and he's reserving a place for us if we will overcome with him. This was the joy set before him. He declares in 1 Corinthians 6, 20, I will have in my hand, this might be my favorite one, (laughs) I will have in my hand the check signed in my blood for the perfect, completed, irreversible purchase of my bride. What he did when he was sitting on that cross, standing on that cross, hanging on that cross, sorry, (laughs) he was paying the price for you. He was paying the price for me that said, of course she's not perfect. Of course they're not perfect. But with my blood, 
because I'm dying for them, because I'm making the sacrifice, because I'm taking her place, she is mine forever. And there's nothing that can be done about that because his blood was complete. Amen? You were the joy set before him. You, he knew you. He loved you. And he endured the cross because he wanted to buy you back from the enemy and buy you back from sin. In Revelation 5.12, Jesus declares, I will be surrounded by angels and saints crying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every time we come in this place, you know, this is why we worship. We are not just standing here singing, but we are declaring with the angels and the saints in heaven that worthy is the lamb, right? Worthy is he. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of all honor and glory and wealth and dominion, all of it. And that's what we do when we worship. That was the joy set before him. Matthew 16, 18. (laughs) This is when Jesus was talking to Peter. He said, and from my throne... I will build my church on earth and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a promise for us because we are the church. And the gates of hell will try, but they will fail. When they come against the bride of Christ, listen, throughout history, the church has always grown with persecution. Always. You can read the history books. Would you call this kind of growth revival? I would. Bring it, right? Jesus, we're so devoted to you that if revival happens with persecution, it's okay. Because he will build his church. Amen? Come on, let's get happy. he also declared and when the time is full I will come again in power and great glory and I will gather my elect from one end of heaven to the other Matthew 24 30 you know there will be a day and I believe it's very soon that Jesus will come on the clouds and gather his people together to be with him to rule and reign with him This was his joy set before him. And this is the power of the resurrection. We will be with Christ one day. He also declares, I will fill the new heavens and the new earth with my glory. In Psalm 72, 19, there will be a new heaven and new earth. And his glory will fill it. And he will rule and reign. And then finally, the joy set before him was in Matthew 25, 23. And this is a really important one. It says, And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave or servant. You were faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. His joy was to win you as his bride so that you can be redeemed in your relationship with the Father. 
We all want to hear that, right? At the end, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done. You did what I needed you to do. You did what I asked you to do. You trusted me. You were faithful to me. Now come on. I prepared this for you. This is the power of the resurrection. This is the joy set before him that he was able to endure the cross for us. And today we are walking in it. It's Resurrection Sunday. We're walking in it. It was done. Amen? 2,000 and some years ago, it was done. And this is what I want to close with. And I'm not closing right now, so maybe don't come up yet, guys. (laughs) But I want us all to really hear this and understand this, that his joy becomes our why. His joy becomes our why. You know, people see us and we, we wear this tag of Christian, but they have questions, right? Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you go to that church? Why do you have to fling this in my face? Why, why, why? His joy is our why. So we're going to answer three questions. The first question, why are you so happy? Right? Why are you so happy? In 1 Peter 1, 3, 5, 3 through 5, it says, His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. All of us go through hard things. Every single one of us. Difficult situations, pain, heartbreak, betrayal, death, right? We're here on earth. That's what happens. But the question for the Christian is, why are you so happy? because we were born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? We have a hope that the world doesn't have. We have a hope that they can't feel, understand, see with their eyes. All they can do is see you. That's it. So what a responsibility to answer that question correctly. And if you're here and you haven't experienced this kind of happiness, that your whole world could be falling apart, but you just have Jesus and you're holding on to him and you're believing that he loves you and you're happy, this unspeakable joy, you can have it today. You can be born again today on Resurrection Sunday. You can have that happiness that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Another question that we get asked is, why do you have peace even in difficult times? Like, why are you not freaking out, right? (laughs) All of this is happening. How can you just get up and go to work? This should be putting you on your back for days, right? You should be falling apart emotionally. Why are you so peaceful? 
And in John 14, 27, Jesus declares to his disciples, he said, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you, not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled or be fearful. Because his joy becomes our why, I have peace because he gives it to me. He is the Prince of Peace, and in his presence, I am in peace. And even if we don't feel it, even if our soul doesn't agree, guess what? Your spirit is at peace. And it doesn't make sense until your spirit is so big, right, that, that it tells your soul to agree. <laughs> and sometimes we do that often, and that's okay. But the Prince of Peace and his presence is with you no matter what is going on in your life. And it's actually supernatural, isn't it? For those of you who have experienced it, maybe you've been through a tragedy or something very difficult, and you're like, I don't understand why I have this peace. Because it passes understanding. Try it. Ask him for peace when you need it. You draw close to him, and he draws close to you. We receive his peace so that we can answer the question. The last question I want to talk about, and I am truly closing now, is why do you love people who are trying to hurt you? Why do you love them? They talked about you. They mistreated you. Right? They betrayed you. Why do you still love them? They're annoying. They're difficult. Or for the hardcore Christian, they persecuted you. They lied about you. They got you fired. How do you still love them? See, this is the power of the resurrection, that we can answer these questions. 1 John 4, 10 through 12 It says, this is the embodiment of true love. I believe this is the voice version too. This is the embodiment of true love. Not that we loved God first, but that he loved us and sent his unique son on a special mission to become an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, we all know this scripture verse. First John is, is like the love book, right? But I've never really seen this before. And we've been studying it about love and mission and loving the lovable and all of that, Adrian and I. But this jumped out at me this week. It says, so my loved ones, if God loved us so sacrificially, surely we should love one another. And then in verse 12, no one has ever seen God with human eyes. That, that, phrase is always like just stuck in there, right? We're like, why did, he, why did he bring that up? Of course we've not seen God with human eyes, right? We just haven't. But look what he was trying to say. But, but if we love one another, God truly lives in us. And consequently, God's love has accomplished its mission among us. So when we are able to love 
the people that are mean to us, I sound like I'm in kids' church, but it's true, right? (laughs) Because even though we're adults, it's hard that are grouchy, that are rude. We are showing them who God is. We are wearing the nature of God. And the world is able to see God here on earth. Even though no one has ever seen God with human eyes, guess what? They see you, and they see you, and they see you, and they see me. And that's God's nature, loving them when they don't deserve to be loved. Because we didn't deserve it either, did we? I don't deserve it every day. (laughs) I wake up and I'm like, man, I'm a mess again. Get on the couch, get your tissues, tell Jesus you love him, tell Jesus you need him, right? We don't deserve it every day. But when we love those that don't deserve it, when we express God's nature, we are able to answer the question. How many in here believe that Jesus was resurrected, right? We believe that. If it's not true, we're in trouble. It's the most important truth, right, in, the, in, in our belief system. We believe that he's been resurrected. We're thankful for what he did. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, and his joy is our why. Are you guys coming back up? Okay, you can come up now. I'm going to close. We can have that same joy in the middle of chaos. We can have that peace in the middle of our storm. And we can love those who are the most difficult. It doesn't mean we don't stand for truth. Don't get worried. Don't get nervous. This Bible is true. But the way we express truth has to be with God's nature. And God's nature died willingly. He chose to lay his life down. When you love someone, you go rescue them. Any one of us in here, if our kid's running in the street, what are you going to do? You're going to grab them. You're going to scream at them. You're going to tell them, stop, come back, don't go in the road. So it's not that we're soft on sin. But our love has to be so huge, so big, that they turn and they listen. And they're drawn to us because of our love for them. This is the kind of Christian that we're going to see more and more and more and more. We're going to walk in a room and people are going to be so drawn to the love of Jesus in us. The world is waiting. And I wrote down here, we all have to go find someone who needs the joy and the peace and the love. And we have to share it with them. It's so easy. If we open our eyes, they're right in front. Amen? They're right in front of us. 
Would you stand up with me today? As we close, I really want to pray for you. There may be some in here that just haven't made that decision to live for Jesus. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning. So would everybody bow your heads? And as we go into a worship song, I want you to go in to this next song as a child of God. Can we do that? So before we sing, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, I want to pray for you. So if that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. Nobody else is looking around, but I want to see you so that I can pray for you. If that's you, just raise your hand. And we're going to pray together and ask Jesus to come into your heart, that he would be the Lord of your life, that he would be your King of kings, your Lord of lords, that you would receive salvation. You know, salvation means saved, healed, and delivered. (laughs) You don't have to walk around the way you've been walking around, depressed, frustrated, right? Hurting. That's what salvation does. He's our healer. So I'm going to ask one more time and then we're just going to pray. If that's you, just raise your hand. Okay, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for those in here, God, that want to know you, that want to give you their lives today. I pray, God, that as they whisper in their heart, Jesus, be mine. Jesus, can what you did on the cross apply to my life? Can I walk in the power of the resurrection? God, as they whisper that prayer, Father, I just pray that you would cover them. You would answer them. You would fill them with your spirit. And that they would be your child. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. As we close out in worship today, I want to open the altars. We have some prayer people that are going to come up and pray for you if you need prayer. But would you stay with us in worship? And then when this song's over, we're just going to dismiss. Beautiful name it is.